Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into the Video Game Lounge podcast. I'm your host, John, for this episode. This is The Last of Us Episode 3 Reaction Episode. Thank you so much for joining me in the lounge today. Hope you all are doing well. Before we get into the episode talk, I do kind of want to get into this uh, just a little bit. News of this came out. This news broke just before episode 3 aired last night that the actress who did the voiceover work and the motion capture for Tess in the original game, uh, her name is Annie Wershing, she passed away from cancer uh, at the age of 45, just gone too soon, that's way too young. Um, news of that broke like literally probably two or three hours before the episode aired. Um, it was kind of all over social media. Man, that is that is gut wrenching. It's it's hard to hear. Um, you guys know if you've listened to VGL at all that uh, all three of us have lost a parent to cancer. Cancer sucks. Hashtag fuck cancer. That's all I gotta say, man. Um, sad to hear the news of Annie Wershing. She was a phenomenal actress. I mean, beyond The Last of Us, she was in uh, Star Trek Picard. She was in uh, The Rookie with Nathan Fillion and a handful of other movies and shows. Uh, She seemed like a really nice, sweet person, just from what I saw of her in interviews. Um, what, What a loss, and it sucks, man. She's forever ingrained in our memories as as Tess, and, you know, all due respect to Anna Torv, who is playing Tess in the TV show. Annie Wershing did something with this character that is just phenomenal. And I'm glad that we have uh, the, the game to go back and just view her performance and, and just continue to be in awe of. Because Tess is such an important character to the story uh, in both the game and the show. Man, it sucks. Anyway, let's start this episode on a happier note and get into episode three. And as always, we have been doing so far, huge spoiler warning at the top of the episode here. If you have not watched episode three of The Last of Us, go do that uh, and then come back and listen. Love to hear your, your input and your thoughts. So massive spoiler warning for the TV show and the game. Let's get into it. Wow. 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 Episode three. Runtime of 85 minutes again. I kind of am digging these longer episodes. I have to say, I each, each one that's been this long, episode one and three so far, just leaves me longing for more. And I really hope that we get more long episodes like this because I'm just eating it up. So... Let's get into the good, bad, and ugly here, shall we? And I'm just going to say this whole episode, my opinion, was that it was good. No bad, no ugly. Thanks for popping by, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no. But let, let's just get into this. So, you know, this episode is obviously the biggest deviation from the game, quote-unquote, the source material, right? Um, that said... 
I think that this episode was just effing phenomenal. It was so good. It was gut-wrenching. It told a beautiful love story. Um, It had me tearing up. I'm not going to lie. This was emotional and so gut-wrenchingly, like, horrifying and beautiful all at the same time. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So... I, I love the the scene we get here at the beginning with Joel and Ellie. They, you know, they just came from the the Capitol building where where Tess sacrificed herself t- so that they can get away. And you know, they're clearly you know Joel is just not having any of this. He doesn't want to talk with Ellie. Um, and they they finally kind of break their silence. And I love that Ellie kind of stands up for herself here. And they have this exchange where you know Joel's like, I'm not asking for your apology. And she's like, well, I wasn't going to apologize. I'm explaining to you why you shouldn't blame me for something that's not my fault. This whole exchange is just phenomenal. I think I I love that Ellie's kind of like, hey, man, (laughs) you know, you're the one that chose to do this mission. Like, I'm just here. Like, you know, she she's standing up for herself. She's giving Joel some shit. And I, I love that it kind of ends with like, hey, how far are we away from, from Bill and Frank's? And, you know, Joel says, hey, it's a five-hour hike. And she's like, we can do this. You know, the the shot of her at the end of the previous episode of her running away with Joel, she's clearly not wanting to be with him. She was fighting him and wanting to stay with Tess. And I love that dichotomy of that relationship. She felt more comfortable with Tess. And now... It's just the two of them. Tess was clearly the ringleader and the one that was kind of running the show here. Um, and now she's forced to, to stay with Joel, who she's just really had traded barbs with back and forth up to this point. You know, they're just kind of being like really nasty and shitty towards one another. And now it's just the two of them. But I love the conversation and stuff that follows after this. We see them kind of walking on on the road. It looks like something straight out of The Walking Dead set. <laughs> like that's what I thought of, just seeing kind of like one lane country roads and stuff. Um, but I, I love I love the conversation that they had uh, about the airplanes. Like the the fact that you having that. The fact that you have Joel explaining to her, like, kind of what it was like to be on an airplane and him being like, oh, you know, it was okay. And she's like, dude, you got to be on a fucking airplane. <laughs> like, I, I love this bit. You know, it, it kind of reminded me of the part in the game where Joel, Ellie, Henry, and Sam are in the suburbs and they're having a conversation about the ice cream trucks. It's a, um, it's an optional conversation, but it, it kind of reminded me of that, that like you're having to explain to someone who grew up during the fungal outbreak, like what some of these like everyday things that people either saw or participated in, you know, like being on an airplane. You know, I know that not everyone's been on an airplane, but we've at least all seen one, right? I feel confident in saying, saying that. Um, you know, I, I, I love that. I love that we're kind of getting these bits from the Pittsburgh portion of the game. I think the spots that they're choosing to kind of, uh, kind of deviate just ever so slightly from, you know, the the game timeline. I think they've picked their spots very perfectly. So some of this conversation that they're having, Joel and Ellie, 
at this point would be happening in the game throughout the Pittsburgh level, whether we're talking about kind of the bombing or Fedra picking up, you know, innocent people and uh, shuttling them off to, to other towns. And then, you know, the the bombing and killing of innocent folk just to have the total number of the population down. You know, when Ellie ends up walking upon that field and seeing all of these bodies and Joel telling her like, hey, you know, yeah, these people were innocent. You know, that that's mortifying. That's that's horrifying. And she kind of had, I think, a different view of what Fedra was at that time. And so to kind of see that and have it kind of kind of play out the way that it did, I thought was was really cool. And then to see the introduction to Bill, oh my God. I was excited as hell from the get-go with Nick Offerman being cast as Bill. And um, I, I feel that like this rule in Hollywood where like comedians have to do like one serious role, you know, <laughs> and this is this is that role for Nick Offerman. And I think he kills it here. Um, while Bill in the TV series isn't necessarily trying to be funny. There's bits where he, it just comes off that way. That, that line where he says, not today, you jack boot fucks. I was like, that was kind of funny to me. That just sounded like something Bill would say in the game. I found it very funny. Um, and that Bill kind of has a safe house under his basement. It seems very Bill, seems very on brand and, and something that he would have. And, and I love that they kind of dated it you know, it's still all 2003. He's got these like kind of scrambled porno kind of <laughs> TV screens that are, uh, you know, got cameras outside of his house showing everything. And then, you know, we get to see Bill making his town. He's building the fence. He's planting the crops. And, you know, he's raiding a Home Depot, which <laughs> was like, these are things that Bill would have had to do to kind of get his town prepped and and armed as we see it in the game you know when when we get to his town in the game there's you know these plywood walls there's these locked and chained gates there's barbed wire everywhere there's all of these traps set up for the infected or raiders and things and to kind of see what it would have actually taken to get to that point and like the the massive amount of setup required to do so was kind of cool um i love that it's the same blue and white truck from the game. Um, it's it's the same truck that Joel and Ellie get and eventually take to Pittsburgh. I thought that was a really nice touch. That was pretty cool. I love that. I don't know if anyone else caught this, but uh, for about two seconds, there's a little shot where it shows the quarantine zone sign. It's like a red and white sign. And I swear it is like shot for shot, the exact same wording and everything that you see when you actually get into Bill's town. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. There is an optional conversation that happens in front of that sign where Joel is explaining to Ellie about shuttling of buses to the quarantine zone. Um, And I I thought that was pretty cool that they added that in. Um, And then we get the introduction to Frank. And, you know, Frank is just uh, a corpse in a Hawaiian shirt in the game. We don't hardly get, you know, we get some backstory from Bill and cutscenes and dialogue there and, and a couple of collectibles, but I, oh my God, man, the, the whole introduction I thought was just phenomenal. Perfect acting by Murray Bartlett and Nick Offerman. 
Uh, I love that they referenced Arby's. <laughs> like that's that's one of those things where like I don't necessarily think that that scene is meant to be comical, but it it comes off as funny at least to me. Um, and Bill being able to to cook and um, you know makes this beautiful meal for Frank. I love. I'm skipping ahead, kind of towards the end. I love that later on at the very end of the episode that Bill cooks the exact same meal 20 years later and they both, you know, uh, like Bill puts the plate and kind of turns it and then Frank turns it back. Like it's the exact same scene just 20 years later. I thought, man, that was, that was kind of cool attention to detail. That was very sweet. And then you just see this relationship kind of start blooming between the two of them where they're, they're playing piano and they're, they're talking about Linda Ronstadt and things. Now that song is not in the last of us, um, the game, but you know, there is not a single piece of music that shows up in any game that isn't intentional. Like, you know, I'm thinking of in, um, especially in last of us part two, there's the Pearl Jam song that's just repeated over and over again. Um, but this Linda Ronstadt song was specifically picked for this episode, and I think it perfectly suits what Bill has felt. Like he's searching for love and and kind of describing, you know, that he's not had someone to love and, and love him back. And um, Frank very accurately and quickly calculates that, like, man, I can I can provide value here. You know, you see him walk over to um it was like the the buffet table or the uh, break front or something there, like some sort of dresser that had a bunch of dust on it. And he just runs his finger through it, and it's like, man, I can, I can provide value and kind of upkeeping and maintaining, you know, how this place looks. You know, we see later on that he um, trades Tess and Joel for a bag of strawberry seeds, and you have this beautiful, beautiful scene with them eating strawberries and. Um, getting a little bit ahead of myself there, but I love that you have this sweet intro to them, right? Um, and then, you know, they, they, they're they intimate, and then the next scene is them going, fuck you, fuck you! <laughs> it's like very married couple, um, you know, and Frank's kind of starting to stay at his ground a little bit and goes, hey, you know, I, I want to, you know, this is my street too, I'm, I'm claiming ownership, like, you know, let's, let's make it beautiful. Let's make this place kind of, you know, nice for the two of us to live. And oh, by the way, I'm making friends. And as soon as he said, I've been talking to this nice girl on the radio, I was like, mm, boom, got it. It's Tess. And sure enough. And so my prediction from last week half came true that we'd see Tess again. Um, and I love this scene that we get of them having a meal in Bill and Frank's front yard. Now in the game, uh, Joel, admits that he's never been to Bill's. They kind of always do these drops and trades, you know, outside of Boston and Bill's town. You know, it's just implied that they kind of have like a meetup spot or two um, and that Joel's never been there. But I like what they did here in that, oh yeah, you know, to have an, you know, a relationship, you know, there's things in the QZ that Joel can provide Bill and then there's things that Bill and Frank can provide Tess and Joel. And, and I love how quickly Frank and Tess kind of get along here. And, and when they leave the table and you see Bill and Joel sitting there and Bill has his gun pointed at him. And it's like, I love that Joel is the one that goes, hey, you know, we can start a relationship here. This can be mutually beneficial. 
and he feels the need to point out to Bill, like, hey, your your fence is going to be destroyed w- within a year. It's just not going to hold up. And Joel makes what I think is a pretty accurate calculation that, hey, Bill has found someone that he wants to take care of and that he cares about. And Joel accurately sees this and goes, hey, man, we can help each other. And, uh, you know, I will help you protect yours if you help me protect mine. Like, Joel is wanting, you know, ultimately to protect Tess. Um, and and I just, I love that scene. He's the one that, that kind of starts this relationship. Uh, and then, you know, we eventually get the, the scene with the strawberries. I love the line after they eat the strawberries and uh, Bill's all emotional and kind of has this laughing cry thing. And there's the, the line of, hey, not on the strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's great. And to, to get Bill's apology in this moment where he's like, Hey, I'm sorry, I'm getting old on you. Bill had kind of just resigned to the fact of like, I'm never going to find love or happiness. He was perfectly fine just being alone and, and cooking these amazing dinners for himself. And his entertainment was watching, you know, infected get trapped in his traps that he set up <laughs> like that. That's how we just lived every day. And then we, we fast forward a little bit to, um, you know, when Tess and Joel leave, um, their, their lunch date. I love that Frank is the one that comes up with the idea for the music and like, okay, the eighties is for danger. And I forget offhand what the sixties and seventies were, but it was a way for them to communicate to one another. Like, Hey, we have a drop to make, you know, whatever each decade was assigned to. I love that Frank's the one that came up with that. You'd think that that would be Bill or Joel, but you know, Frank is the one that, that spearheaded that. And I think that that's really great. Further proving that Frank had value to, to Bill. And then, you know, Joel's leaving and goes, Hey, you know, we should, you know, kind of rethink this offer. You know, you're probably going to be attacked by raiders. And sure, sure enough, you know, it happened. And I love that Bill was was kind of prepared. And he's out there shooting. Frank scared out of his mind. Um, you know, ultimately, Bill gets shot. And Frank is the one that has to nurse Bill kind of back to back to health here. At least that's what we thought. I, I love that during this whole exchange, Bill is just resigned to the fact of like, hey, I'm going to die. I'm trying to let you know that like, hey, I got copies of all the keys. He's giving them the gate code and and all of these things. And then he says, call Joel. And, you know, Bill and Joel kind of have this like mutual respect towards one another. This kind of like, I I see you as, as someone who will do, you know, protect who they love and who they care for at all costs. And while they have this, you know, contested relationship, there's kind of a mutual respect there. And I I really believe that Bill in that moment is saying, hey, call Joel, because, you know, Joel will come and, and kill these people and, and help you live and, and stay alive. That's what I care about in that moment. You know, and Frank's just like, yep, yep, okay, fine, no problem, you know. Uh, and then we get a pretty cool fake out here. I got to say, I, I was surprised by this. We kind of get this far away shot years later. I honestly could not tell at first that it was Frank sitting in the wheelchair. We have no idea necessarily what it was that got Frank. Um, if it's MS or some other, um, you know, s- some other d- disease or something, um, you know, they're they're much older and grayer. And, you know, Bill comes out on the porch and, and wheels, 
wheels him back in. And I was like, man, I, I, I was heartbroken, heartbroken in this moment. Because, you know, Frank is clearly the younger one and can literally uh, was running circles around him, you know, um, to see Frank be the one that's kind of confined to the wheelchair and Bill has to help him get up and get him in, get him in and out of bed, help get him dressed and all these things, man, that is, that is heart wrenching. Um, and then, you know, starts their last day together where Frank has said, you know, he gets up out of the bed and Bill's kind of mad and he's just like, you know what, I've decided it's my last day. I can't live like this anymore. And they have this very sweet exchange downstairs where Frank goes, you know, I just need one more good day and plans out their whole day. And oh my gosh, man, how sweet was this? I I, I was just, I, I was emotionally moved, I have to say. It, this this was so good. I, I was wondering though, once we get the payoff of this, I was wondering like, at what point did Bill decide that he was gonna do what he eventually did? Because at the end of the day, they, you know, Bill cooks, you know, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, Bill cooks the exact same meal, the the duck, uh, and then pairs it with, I, I don't know, I'm not a wine drinker, I'm sorry, pairs it with some sort of wine. Uh, they do the turning of the plates thing, like I mentioned. And then Bill goes in and grabs the second bottle, which he had already drugged. And I, I love Bill's little speech here. He says, you know, this is not just, you know, uh, this death at the end of a play, uh, you know, I've lived a happy life and, and I'm fulfilled essentially is what he said. And, uh, man, I, I was heartbroken in that moment. Yes. It's, it's a different version of Bill's character from the game, but I think it suits TV ultimately. Um, and this is the type of story you can tell, in a TV show versus the game. You, you can't bring this type of story, I feel, to life in in video game. Um, so they go upstairs and then, you know, they've, they've essentially committed this suicide. Now, in the game, Frank is dead and Bill lives. Uh, we don't know Bill's fate after we leave Bill's town. Um, but I feel like the, the TV show ended up, you know, Bill and Frank's story is much happier. <laughs> it's much happier that they they get to live a fulfilling life. They loved one another and they got to go out on their own terms. You know, I, I think it's a much happier ending, especially when you consider that it's happening 20 years into this this fungal outbreak, right? You know, they, they went out on their own terms. Then Joel and Ellie show up and, man, th- this ending of this episode these last like six or seven minutes here were were really really good um you know joel immediately is you know once he gets into the house he's like man i think they're dead um but i love that joel is not moved to any emotion until ellie finds the letter and when she starts reading it out loud um you you get a glimpse into the respect that Bill had for Joel. I mentioned the kind of like the protector part. And, and when he mentions in the, when he mentions in the letter Tess by name, that is when Joel gets moved. He has to go outside. Bill is, is thinking that, you know, he is imparting some sort of wisdom onto Joel, right? Like you need to protect your own. Cause I found 
fulfillment and happiness within protecting my own. And he's writing that letter saying, hey, you just need to do whatever you can to protect Tess. Here is the the code to the armory. You already know the, the, the code to get in to the gate. Have my truck, have my weapons, have my battery. You know, here's everything you need to try and protect the one that you love or, you know, that you care about the most at this moment. Bill probably has no idea that Joel's already failed in protecting Sarah. And he certainly does not know of Tess's demise as it just happened the day before Joel and Ellie get there. Bill wrote that letter a week before, you know, they they got there, essentially, um, just by reading the dates uh, that they showed on the episode. But Joel is reminded in that moment of his failures. He failed to protect Sarah. He failed to protect Tess. And I think what they're ultimately building up with this episode is the thought process of Joel making that ultimate decision towards the end of this story where he goes, I am not allowing this little girl to be sacrificed and I'm going to do everything in my power to protect her. This is the driving force behind Joel making the decision to go into the operating room at the end of the game, kill the doctors and save Ellie. He's like, this is my, this is my daughter. <laughs> Don't touch her. And, and I love it. I, I love um, kind of the little callbacks to the game here. Uh, Ellie changes into the shirt that she wears uh, for the kind of most of the rest of the game. Uh, so does Joel, you know, um, respectively. You, you see the blue and, and white truck again. You get this beautiful shot at the end of the the window of presumably Bill and Frank's bedroom. And it it's almost shot for shot what the loading screen to the game of The Last of Us looks like. I thought that was a really, really cool callback. That was very, very cool. Um, man, just just a phenomenal episode. I, I was on board with this. Um, they hooked me. You know, I, I was wanting, honestly, to see some of the action sequences, but I had to very quickly come around to the fact that, you know, the action sequences that you come to uh, the action sequences that you go through in Bill's town, um, that that heart pumping, heart racing action stuff is really great when when you know when you first get to Bill's town and you're stuck in the the refrigerator trap. That's your introduction to Bill. Like that's that's a heart pumping, like heart racing moment. You're you're suspended upside down. You're shooting clickers and you're you're shooting runners, right? And then you have the the whole sequence in the school. You fight a bloater. It, it's all very intense. And then you know you have when you finally leave Bill's town. You have the sequence with the truck and. Ellie's trying to get the truck started and you got to push her down the hill in the truck and then you're fending off all of the the infected and stuff like these are action packed sequences that would have been very very different I think to see um in the TV show they're they're more impactful if you're the the person on the stick kind of controlling Joel in these moments while I wanted them I'm actually quite I wouldn't say I'm glad. I, I, I think I'm okay with the fact that we didn't get them because the, this episode and the story that they gave us and showed us here far surpassed anything that could have been done in an action sequence. Um, like this was literal art. <laughs> That's just what it is. Um, so 
yeah, th- those those are my thoughts, man. Uh, no bad in in my opinion this week. No no ugly. I guess um, that that clicker that was kind of uh, buried under the rubble there that that Ellie stabbed uh, with her knife. Ellie's showing like a little bit of a chaotic slash sadistic sadistic side to her. Like she straight up stabs this clicker and then kills it. Like she she's kind of prone to violence. Again, I mentioned it in episode one. Like she is. 100% the opposite of Sarah. Now, still love Ellie. She, she's a phenomenal character. Uh, don't get me wrong. But you're kind of seeing, you know, par- parts of, of Ellie's nature come out here in this episode, which was which was good to see. So um, let's get on to ratings here, shall we? Uh, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to give this one a 10. This is a 10 out of 10. Perfect episode of my book. This was phenomenal. Um, really, really great episode. I know, uh, after I got done watching it last night, uh, I immediately kind of took to Twitter and was looking at reactions and things. And there was some blowback. Some people weren't keen on the fact of changing kind of what Bill's character was from the game and, and seeing a representation of Frank and, you know, opinions are like assholes, man. Everyone's got one. My opinion, I, I think, is kind of siding with the majority that I've seen so far, and that this was a phenomenal episode. It was, it was funny at times. It was heart wrenching. It was a beautiful love story, and and I enjoyed it. I thought this was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I know I, I've probably said that word twenty times throughout this episode, which is fine. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> um, I'll quickly get into predictions for next week, uh, just to end this episode, okay? So we saw at the end of the episode kind of a trailer for next week, and we're definitely getting some of the Pittsburgh sequence, which I love. So Joel and Ellie are in the truck. I hope we get the comic book scene, because that would be hysterical. Uh, One of my favorite scenes from the game. If you know, you know. Um, And then we're definitely getting the ambush scene. We saw the beginning of that where uh, Joel and Ellie are in the truck, and then it's going to crash into presumably the kind of little thrift store, convenience store thing. Um, And we'll get some version of kind of some of the events in Pittsburgh. I'm going to predict that this is where they didn't show them in the trailer and I'm okay with that, but I think this is where we're going to meet Henry and Sam. Um, Phenomenal characters within the game. Their story is just beautifully sad (laughs) as is a lot of the story of the last of us. But I think we probably get Henry and Sam by the end of next week's episode. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of going to be my main prediction. I think, you know, we're going to get part of the Pittsburgh bit, and then we're going to see Henry and Sam. Um, and one prediction I'm going to make, and I'm, I'm probably going to say that I'm like 95% wrong <laughs> on this prediction, but I figured I'd just take a swing and see. Um, I don't know if anyone else caught this, but in the trailer for next week's episode, there is some sort of interrogation happening with... Uh, a female character who doesn't have a name yet and a male character who is tied up it looks like kind of in um uh like on a chair and his back's turned to us i'm thinking that that lady is somehow associated with marlene and the fireflies and the gentleman that's being interrogated I'm going to say is the guy from episode one that Joel went to see about the radio. Uh, 
because the Fireflies know that Joel has Ellie and they're trying to track him down to make sure that he's fulfilling uh, kind of the promise to get Ellie to the Fireflies. And I wonder if that lady assumes that Joel and Tess were responsible for the deaths of the Fireflies at the Capitol building. So that's my main like takeaway and prediction. If you guys have any, please let us know. You guys know where to find us, VGL underscore podcast. That is for Instagram and Twitter. Uh, You can also hop in our Discord. The link will be in the show description. Uh, Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me in the lounge today. Please let us know your thoughts on the episode. I'd love to get any and all feedback. Did you like it? Did you love it? Did you hate it? All opinions are welcome here. And thank you guys again for joining me. I will see you all next Tuesday.